On behalf of the Muppet Academy of Arts and Sciences, welcome to the first annual Muppet Awards. What an exciting evening. The tension and excitement is unbelievable. And backstage, the Muppets are standing by, anxiously waiting to see who the winners will be. You're losers, all losers. Hi-ho, and welcome once again to a feat of lunatic daring, the most sensational, inspirational, celebrational, Muppetational podcast about Jim Henson and the Muppets. My name is Chad. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Jackson. Nick. Nick. I got nothing, man. I'm tired. <laughs> I got nothing. I'm sorry. You know what? You doing? It's been a long whatever period of time it is, and I understand. I'm not judging <laughs> harshly at all. It's, I it's drove to Atlanta. Work. I drove back. <laughs> it's just It was very long. It was very tiring, but I got stuck in... DC traffic. That's awful. In in the rain at twilight. Of course. It was like my total driving nightmare. My dad and my grandpa once made it from Virginia to San Francisco in about 48 hours driving. Jesus. <laughs> Which kind of tells you everything that you need to know about road trips when I was a kid. This is a feat of lunatic tearing. <laughs> it's not a <laughs> podcast about road trips. Yet. Although we did start each road, we did start each leg of the trip with moving right along. We did. I did. That's make a sure. good tradition. I did do that for my kids. This is a uh, Fetal Lunatic Daring Word podcast about Jim Henson and the Muppets. Before we get started, I'd like to ask you to check us out on social media at Lunatic Daring on Instagram, Facebook, and um, that thing, Twitter, and lunaticdaring.com. We can find our watch list, our bibliography, and our all of our episodes. And also, if you get a chance, uh, please leave us a review or a rating on your podcast app of choice. It really helps out a lot. We are currently going through The Muppet Show two episodes at a time. Uh, a couple of interesting ones tonight. I think a couple of fun ones. Yeah, we had we had some real nice moments tonight. One really high concept episode tonight. Is it okay to use the term guest host for that? Or Absolutely. I, I noticed that too. <laughs> I, I sure. think so. She, I, I think, I think it's true. I think they, he calls her the guest host. So I don't think we'll get stoned for that. <laughs> but, uh, but first we got to talk about Lola Falana. So let's get started. Let's get started. It's the Muppet Show with our very special guest star, Lola Falana. So Nick, I have no idea who Lola Falana is. Lola Falana. So. Lola Falana is one of those figures that I imagine if I'd been born 10 years earlier, I would have known. Lola Falana was born Lolita Elaine Falana on September 11th, 1942 in Camden, New Jersey, to Bennett Falana, who was a welder, and Cleo Falana, who was a seamstress. She was the third of six children. And like a lot of our other guests, she was already performing when she was still a toddler. She was dancing by age three, and she was singing in the church choir by age five. In 1952, her family would move to Philadelphia, and by the time she was in junior high, she was already dancing in nightclubs, which I think meant something different back then than it means now. But she was escorted there by her mom. She would drop out of high school a few months before graduating and move to New York to pursue a career in music. While dancing in a chorus line in Atlantic City, she was discovered by Sammy Davis Jr., who gave her a featured role in his 1964 musical Golden Boy. She would launch her, her music career that same year, her first single being a song called My Baby, which was released in 1965. Sometime between 1965 and 1968, she started having an affair with Sammy Davis Jr., and this would eventually lead to his divorce. But in 66, she ca or Davis cast her in her first film role for a movie called A Man Called Adam. She became a really big deal in Italy, randomly. She would become fluent in Italian while starring in three films. She was also a showgirl for a Saturday night TV show called Sabato Sera. She was known as Black Venus, and she was still working with Davis a lot during this time, eventually ending their professional relationship in 1969, after the information about the affair came out, though they remained friends. In 1970, she made her American film debut in The Lib Liberation of L.B. Jones, and she was nominated for the Golden Globe for New Star of the Year Actress. She would pose for Playboy that same year. 
and she married R&B singer Butch Tavares from the band The Tavares. They were divorced in 1975. She was the first black woman to model for Fabergé Tigress perfume ads, which I am not familiar with, but I guess was a big deal back then. Um, she would often appear on the Joey Bishop show in the Hollywood Palace during the 70s, as well as The Tonight Show, our Muppet Show appearance, Laughing, and the Flip Wilson show. So she was she stayed really busy. Davis Jr. would eventually help her bring her act to Las Vegas, where she became a top draw by the seven, late 70s. She was considered the queen of Las Vegas and played sold-out shows at the Sands, the Riviera, the MGM Grand. At the time, she was the highest-paid female performer in Vegas. So she she made it pretty far pretty quickly, considering that she started in like the late 60s. In 1987, she had a severe relapse of multiple sclerosis, leaving her left side paralyzed and partially blinding her. Her voice and hearing were impaired, and she spent a year and a half recovering. Uh, during that time, she started praying a lot and sort of became reattributed to it with her faith. She converted to Roman Catholicism in 1988 and started working her new spirituality into her daily life. She would start performing in 1987, but it's at, at this point, she had made a pretty hard pivot into more of a faith-based existence. She no longer performs. She is still alive, but she now tours the country with messages of hope and spirituality. And when not touring, she works with the apostolate that she founded in Vegas with a focus on helping orphans in sub-Saharan Africa. So Lola's had a life. Yeah. Sounds um, like it. She has had a, a very interesting life, which brings us to The Muppet Show, number 411, featuring guest star Lola Falana. Produced between July 10th and 12th of 1979, it would premiere in the UK on January 18th of 1980 and stateside on November 22nd of 1979. We get to our opening with uh, Lola just trying really hard to get out of doing The Muppet Show. <laughs> Tell them I'm sick. Anything, just get me out of it. Huh? Oh, sorry, Scooter. Uh, just talking to my agent. Uh, what did you say? Uh, I said 15 seconds to curtain. Thank you, darling. Uh-huh. You gotta work fast, Bernie. You only got 15 seconds. She mugs at the camera a little bit, but... It's it's okay. It's the, the cold open. Yeah. I liked her in this. I'm of two minds. I, I think there are aspects where I like her a lot, and there are aspects where I don't think I would count her among the the guests that are actively excited to be on The Muppet Show. That's fair. But she's a great performer. But we, we get to the, the Muppet Show theme. Gonzo actually manages to blow the trumpet, like, successfully. He nails it. Yeah. He just, you knew he had it in him, but it's nice to see it. Um, <laughs> finally. It's yeah. finally. It finally happened. And he, uh, he says that he gives autographs after the show. Um, which, well, I mean, after a performance like that. Of course, of course. But also, given the backstage story for the show. Yeah, it seems tied in. Yeah, it's a nice lead-in. We get to, right after the opening, Kermit announces that Gonzo is leaving, which, I mean, in 2022, obviously, we know that Gonzo didn't leave. But I imagine being a kid in the 70s, you probably would have been very upset about the idea of Gonzo leaving. But first, I have an important announcement to make. Tonight is the last show for Gonzo the Great. Uh, Gonzo, come on out here. Thank you, thank you. Love ya. Yes, it is true. This is it, Kerm. Uh, yes, folks, believe it or not, Gonzo is leaving us. He's going to Bombay, India to become a movie star. My youngest fell asleep uh, early tonight, so she didn't get to watch the Muppet Show, but my oldest was concerned. <laughs> she was concerned. She was like, is Gonzo really leaving the show? He's got to go to Bombay because, you know, <laughs> that's that's where he's going to make a name for himself, uh, which is a nice callback to the movie. You don't go to Bombay to become a movie star. You go where we're going, Hollywood. Sure, if you want to do it the easy way. My favorite thing about this Gonzo, though, is his hip talk. Oh, yeah. He calls Kermit Kerm. Keeps calling him Kerm. He calls Miss Piggy MP. <laughs> like he's just trying to be hip. I will say that in line with Gonzo finally getting a successful play on the, the trumpet, we also get to see Statler and Waldorf being sad to see him go. Yeah. Which I was not expecting at all. Yeah, this is an interesting episode. <laughs> yeah. It's got emotions you don't normally associate with The Muppet Show. Yeah, it's a little somber, isn't it? It's a little somber. It's a little, um, it's a little sweet. It's a little um, sincere. There's a very sincere moment later on, you know, mm -hmm. which is not something you get on The Muppet Show. It's not a sincere show. I mean, you'll you'll have those pockets once in a while, but I don't think we've really seen any since like second season. I don't think we've seen anything like what we're going to see today. 
Exactly. We launch right into Gonzo's farewell number, which I'm pretty sure was lifted straight from Muppet Bremen. But uh, <laughs> Gonzo goes back into a barn where you see all the chickens um, getting ready to back him up as he sings Pick a Little, Talk a Little, and Good Night, Ladies um, from the music band. And Gonzo's in rare form. Oh, he's dancing up a storm tonight. Oh, yeah. But he's also, like, we're not seeing the the contradictory Gonzo that, outside of going to Bombay in the 70s to become a worldwide star, we're not seeing that contradictory artist aspect of him where he's actively working against his own success. He's just showing off that he can do the thing. This is the Dave Gold show. Exactly. <laughs> this episode is the Dave Gold show. He gets to go. He gets to go wild. It's great. Did you know? I have a question though about these two chicken numbers that are in this episode. Did you know these songs? Um, they sounded familiar. Good night, ladies. You probably recognize. I've, I've heard that, but I don't have like a a deep familiarity with it. Yeah, I was just wondering how it works with the chickens if you don't know the songs. With this one, I think it works a little better. The 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 one later, I have a big question about. Yeah, it Gonzo plays off of them very well. You don't really need to know, right? No. Um, it could just be an instrumental track or an acapella track. But we we go backstage where Miss Piggy finds out <laughs> Gonzo's got a movie deal. Got a movie. And she's just like, well, and you just see her have to swallow that pride to just be like, I'm going to be nice to the weirdo. She tries. She tries to be nice to the weirdo. And there's a there's an octopus that takes the stage right as the scene starts. And this poor octopus, which we've never seen before, and I don't know if we're ever going to see again. He's a one man band octopus. Right. But also, I just want to draw special attention to the smack on the drumstick between Gonzo and Camilla. Yeah. They have a relationship. I I got a wide eyes for my wife tonight. (laughs) I get why it could be upsetting, but also couples do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, he does give her a little smack on the ass as she walks off stage. Piggy tries sucking up to him and and basically Piggy uh, once again calls herself a sex goddess. A phrase I'm having to learn to define for my children. (laughs) I don't know quite know how to define a sex goddess to my children. Uh, problems I don't have. <laughs> problems I'm glad I don't have. But uh, and he goes, yeah, of course, if I know a sex goddess, if I need one, Camilla. <laughs> she tells him not to come back. <laughs> don't come back, tricky twit! You know what? They call him a geek a lot in this, and a geek is someone who rips the who bites the heads off chickens. Um. Well. Yeah, I'm just saying. I was not aware of that. Yeah, that's what a geek is. A geek is like a carnival freak who uh, eats I, like I'd live chickens. I heard that definition, but I didn't know it had anything to do with with chickens. That's yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. But we we go into our first number with Lola, and she's up there with the Muppet Monsters and Fletcher Bird as they sing and dance. One of the songs that I'm actually pretty familiar with in comparison to most of the other songs we've heard on the show. Oh, what do I- He's the Greatest Dancer by Sister Sledge, which is a song from 1979. So it's a pretty recent one at this point. I think she's got a great voice. I think she is a talented dancer. I don't think she was playing with the Muppets super well in this one. I think she does a little bit. She 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 sings and dances with uh, Dog Lion, with Fletcher Bird, and with, I think, Timmy Monster. A little bit, but it, it sort of brought me back to the whole theater versus screen actors thing where she's not focused on interacting with the people that she's around. Her eyes are directly forward. Right. But the second that Gonzo comes on and starts like gyrating his hips, he just kills it. Oh, he absolutely kills it. The second that Gonzo gets on there and just starts moving, I'm like, wow. Wow. He's a dancing fool fool tonight. He knows exactly how to like do the. I don't know if he was doing an Elvis impression or something, but he just. Those hips never stopped moving. No, he was working it. As we'll see, he is a small little creature. (laughs) um, But he made it work. He did. He does make it work. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed this number. I did not know the song, so you got me there. Oh, I really? I, no, I didn't. It's a good one. Yeah, Sister no, Sledge is amazing. If you haven't given them a listen, and we got Graham Fletcher coming back 
to play Fletcher Bird, the dancer. Hmm. I don't, I don't know. What would you call it? It's a, it's not disco, right? This is disco. It's disco. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have one criticism. Floyd is in the is in the crowd dancing. I don't believe Floyd goes to a disco. Floyd would respect if Floyd could respect Sly Stone. Floyd would be able to respect Sister Sledge. Okay. Well, he would definitely respect Sly Stone. Yeah, I, I like the bit. I, I'm a little bit lukewarm on Lola, but the bit in general I liked. Yeah, Gonzo definitely brings some life into it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Until Fletcher Bird kicks him off the stage. <laughs> He's very puntable in size. Yes, he is. From there, we, we go backstage again. Uh, immediately after the number, Lola compliments Gonzo on his dancing and starts flirting with him a little bit. Which Camilla doesn't take very well to. No, she does. She has she, it. She, she's going to give him her number. Well, he's he's off to Bombay, and you know that means no attachments. Apparently, I mean she. Yeah, <laughs> she's she's not she's not shy about it. No, the one note that I had in here was just that PG thirteen rating. It it gets a little bit close to that line, and I'm like, I'm not offended or anything like that, but I'm picking up on that. Good job. But Gonzo reveals to Kermit that he regrets not doing his masterpiece act, which is singing Top Hat while dancing in a vat of oatmeal, which is one of the most Gonzo things that you could actually say. Sounds like a Gonzo act to me. Let's see if it turns out. Exactly. But then we get to the only note that I could put on this section was sweet. Uh, But Gonzo goes back on stage and he starts singing My Way, which is a French song from 1968 translated into English by Paul Anka. But most people know it. For Frank Sinatra's version, it was kind of a signature song. And now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friend, I'll say it clear, I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I love it though. He's standing by these crates and he looks so tiny. He does. He looks so tiny and they've got his, he's got his jacket over his shoulder. And they're it really kind, kind of, of uh, the episode where they were at a train station. It reminded me of that one a little bit. I can see that. Yeah. Loretta Lynn. Yeah. Yeah. And he sings my way, which is yeah. Classic Sinatra song about doing it your way. <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, no, he can't make it through the song. He just, he starts crying and Kermit's, right there he comes out and he's trying to Gonzo are you okay Gonzo it's just a song I know it's not the song I just don't want to go yeah but you're gonna go out and make movies I want to go there I just don't want to leave here you had a choice to make Gonzo and, and you made it and it was a good choice I know I don't like long goodbyes, Gonzo, so, uh... uh take care of yourself, Gonzo. Yeah, you too. Uh, uh, we, we've had a little change of plans, so I think we'd better just take a break. I wasn't expecting that from this episode. I don't think I've seen something like that, because anytime. We see Kermit or Gonzo hit that rough patch, or even Fozzie hit that rough patch, right? Maybe they meet up with a guest of the evening, but usually they'll sing a song, bring themselves out of it, find that resolve. But it's weird to see Gonzo break. This is genuinely moving. When 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 Gonzo says, I want to go there, but I don't want to leave here. It's heartbreaking. And then Kermit gives him a hug, and then yeah, folks, we're gonna we're gonna take a break now. And puts his arm around him. It's super sweet. It's very sweet and heartfelt and seems out of place on the Muppet show. <laughs> it's just does, a little bit, but it also like it, it's definitely a record skip moment, but it doesn't, it's not a bad thing. It just feels, it just doesn't feel like anything else we've ever seen in the Muppet show. It is so sincere. It's true. But one of the things that sells the cast in general is the, that sort of aspect of found family. Yes. And that's true. they all have to deal with each other's craziness and all that other stuff, but they do, I believe, genuinely care about each other. The characters, they're a very warm, affectionate family. They have all the qualities that we do. You have pet peeves, you have people you like, you don't like. Piggy thinks Gonzo's a creep. Uh, Gonzo loves the chickens. Uh, Kermit uh, 
uh, wants to get the show moving. Piggy wants Kermit. Floyd can't stand the pig. Uh, Janice and Floyd are very tight together, but they hate the, pig, the pig's dog, and Fufu, and uh, Fufu gets mad at Fozzie, and Fozzie uh, scared to go on, and the Stout of Waldorf hate Fozzie, not hate Fozzie, but, you know, heckle Fozzie. There's all that intermingling all there and just pushing and pulling. Like, it's, it's like a funny Eugene O'Neill story, right? I mean, everybody's at each other, but in a very funny way and an affectionate way. This doesn't feel like a betrayal of premise or anything like that. It's just, it's jarring because it is something that is so out of the ordinary, especially for Gonzo, because Gonzo takes all sorts of abuse. But yeah, you yeah. never really see him break. No, he, he's, he's sad that he's leaving, even though his, his dream has come true. But uh, yeah, very sweet. The hug is very sweet. Um, the walk off when Kermit kind of puts his arm around his shoulder to walk him off stage. Mm-hmm. You know who probably didn't find it sweet? Camilla's probably dealing with a lot of feelings at the moment, which is what brings us to our UK spot. Camilla and the chickens sing, I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair, which I don't, I didn't recognize as a song, but I mean, that's what I was going to ask because like, it's all done by, they, they, they do going to wash that man right out of my hair from South Pacific. And she's got a picture of Gonzo that she's pecking at because she's mad at him either for him flirting or for him leaving or whatever it is. Yeah. And honestly, it's one of those things where, but did you get it though? The visual cues carry it. Okay. You're being upset about it. Like, I, I couldn't tell you what any of the lyrics were. Because it's one of the great, like, pre-Taylor Swift breakup songs. And so, like... I got like, slight Lemonade vibes, but I didn't, like... <laughs> it's one of those things where it's simple enough in concept that we've all you really needed was that picture of Gonzo on the wall for her to get upset at. And you also needed Camilla shaking her tail feathers. Oh, yeah. That, that too. Nice legs. <laughs> I thought this was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, especially when she starts, she starts shaking, and you can hear her scrat her her claws scratching at the ground while she's moving around. But uh, yeah, Camilla takes center stage on this one and really nails it. Can we talk for a second about the Erica Badu head wrap though? Because that was something. <laughs> it does look like Erica Badu. I think she's got this like Technicolor knit head wrap on, and I'm just sitting here thinking, Camilla doesn't is, have hair. Is it supposed to be a towel? I guess. I don't know. Like, I'm going to wash that man out of, right out of my hair like you're getting out of the shower. Maybe that was meant to sell it. I'm just thinking that, like... <laughs> but she does look like Erica Badu. We, we go backstage again, and Gonzo's back there in time to find out that Scooter's already found a replacement for him, uh, which Kermit seems kind of ambivalent for, about until he realizes that this replacement happens to be a friend of Scooter's uncle. The replacement's name is Trevor the Gross, who seems like he's the older uncle of the parrot from the parrot sketch but it also looking at trevor he kind of looks like he needs to see a doctor (laughs) like he's got he's got the john oliver eyes dialed up to 11 and it's just oh yeah he does have john oliver eyes like and i i say that as someone who's a fan of john oliver but they're bugged out a little bit now that i think about it jp's eyes are pretty bugged out too i wonder if they share a habit they are buddies (laughs) <laughs> they are buddies. Apparently. I don't know how I don't know how JP Gross is, is uh friends with this bird looking thing. But yeah, it's it's kind of upsetting. But speaking of upsetting eyes and, you know, nightmare fuel, we eat them up at sports. I was wondering about this. Oh no, this is absolutely nightmare fuel. This is nightmare fuel on three different levels. Because we've got a a live report from the Marathon Tree Staring Contest, where Klaus Mueller, who Looks like a Matthew Lillard character from the early 90s. Uh, <laughs> he could be Arbi. in Hackers. <laughs> he could. Hack the universe, hack the tree. Defeats a tree after more than 87 hours of staring. This guy's eyes are just protruding from his skull. But meanwhile, the tree looks like the tree from Evil Dead. Oh, that, that, and that tree will do terrible things to you. Yeah, but also, like, there's a little bit of the trash heap in there. There's a little bit of the dark crystal. It's just an upsetting tree. Which is probably unkind. Maybe it has a great personality, but maybe the tree falls on him out of spite. So you know, whatever. I just this is this is our nightmare fuel for the episode. I like the Kazagger after the tree falls on him. Kazagger's like, I I will personally make sure all the money goes to his widow. 
This was a funny little bit. I was wondering if you were gonna re- how you were gonna react to the eyes. The eyes were pretty intense. Yeah, that was that was a lot. My daughter has gotten into staring contests. How's that going? Oh, I kick her ass. <laughs> we we go backstage again, and we find Lola finds Gonzo hiding in her closet. Which okay, <laughs> you, I'm gonna let you take point on this one. Go ahead. No, no, I just I just wanted to make sure. Yes, she does find Gonzo hiding in her closet. It's not as creepy as it sounds. I mean, it is creepy. It's just defanged creepy because he's he's hung up in there. He's not like at the base of her closet. He is suspended in some of her clothes. It makes him feel comfortable, I guess. I guess he feels supported. Gonzo reveals a telegram that he just got from the Dom, from the Bombay movie studio, which lets him know that his deal fell through. Uh, because they didn't realize they were getting Gonzo the Great. They were looking for Gonzo the Mediocre, which (laughs) I wasn't expecting to be reminded of the most recent Mad Max movie, but there it is. Lola tries to console Gonzo, and I think this is, maybe she's just better one-on-one. This one sold me more on her interacting with the Muppets than her earlier one did. Yeah. Uh, But she sings a song called Smile, which I've heard one of my old roommates start, thousands of times but i never actually thought about it being a full song outside of like maybe a soundbite but apparently it was written by charlie chaplin it was for his uh, film modern times oh yeah I, I haven't seen that yeah it's been around a long time people have covered it a million times but yeah it's 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 the only like i think it's his only credited it's his only famous song that he wrote but yeah it's written by charlie chaplin uh, but uh, yeah it's 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 the standard um guest star pick me up although it doesn't quite work it doesn't, because typically with a guest star pick-me-up, they're doing something to bring themselves out of it. And Gonzo still misinterprets something as only Gonzo can. I don't know if he misinterprets it. Like, the, the, the song is about, like, no matter what, smile. Thank you, Lola. You feel better now? Of course. Now I can smile my way through the rest of my miserable life. Like, I think yeah, he no, gets he the actually might have been spot on. <laughs> you mention it like that. <laughs> I think he actually gets the song. Gonzo's on fire tonight. He's like, oh, grin it and bear it. Got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got it. But then we go to Trevor the Gross's act, which uh, might bear quite a bit in common with Gonzo's masterpiece that he mentioned earlier in the episode. One might say he's going to sing Top Hat while tab dancing on a vat of oatmeal. That's a little too much for Gonzo. And honestly, that's kind of bad taste in general because Kermit knew that that was what Gonzo wanted to do. And Gonzo's had all he can stands and he can't stands no more. It, this has this has my favorite line of the episode, probably of our entire night, where Gonzo asks for his job back and he starts groveling to Kermit. Stop kissing my flipper, Gonzo! Have you no dignity? Of course not. How long have we worked together? <laughs> it's fair, actually. Kermit might not have been paying attention. It was the best line that killed me. Absolutely killed me. How long have we been working together? Of course I don't. Of course I don't have dignity. <laughs> don't you? Don't Gonzo. you? You don't. You don't know me at all. It's it's just funny to see this in comparison to like season one Gonzo before Gonzo was Gonzo Gonzo because this like season one Gonzo was consistently kind of sad and this this plays up the tragic comedy beautifully. He's more manic now. Yeah, season one Gonzo would have tried this trick. It just, wouldn't have, it just wouldn't have been as, uh, the rest of the episode just wouldn't have been as good. Um, but yeah, he tap dances on a vat of oatmeal. I don't know what can go wrong with that. Gonzo, gets, at this point, Gonzo, Gonzo sicks the chickens on Trevor. That's the way, he, this is his new thing. <laughs> it's so great. This is his new thing. Is like, if he can't get his way, whatever he runs into an obstacle, he just sicks the chickens on him. Because Gonzo's got a side hustle as a hustler. But also, <laughs> we've already seen that the chickens work as projectiles. Like, I want to see Gonzo in a fighting game where him throwing a, a Hadouken is just Camilla coming, flying out of, like, stage right and smacking someone in the head. He has found a way to weaponize his harem. It's also at this point that we should remind everyone that Gonzo is, in fact, pretty short. So if he stands in a vat of oatmeal, um, <laughs> it might... Rep- it might sort of seem like the lightning sand scene from the princess bride and he's just going down you know how i talk about how certain lines or moments from the muppet show were kind of burned into my brain mm-hmm. fozzie saying or fozzie or beauregard or whoever it is saying he's trying to do the oatmeal don't worry don't worry we got spoons and milk and brown sugar yeah we're gonna eat our way through to him 
for some reason, that just, I, I remembered that very clearly <laughs> before they even said it. Backstage, Scooter's got some raisins, so they're ready to go <laughs> on the oatmeal front. I, that could have worked for our final number, honestly, but we do go backstage for our final number. With yeah, we got to have a song, though. Yeah. Um, Lola, sing, Lola and the Muppets sing a song called United We Stand, sung by the Brotherhood of Man, which is a British group, which that's a name. This this reminded me a lot of those season one closers where you would just have someone surrounded by the Muppets singing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's a nice closer to the episode, and we, we still hit that peak with the oatmeal bit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a come down after all the, the wackiness that was on stage. Yeah, and it's just, you know, we're a family, we're together, and then we move straight to the closing, and, well, people fight like, or the Muppets fight like only a family will fight. <laughs> That's what my wife said. She goes, they are a family. Look. Oh, yeah. It's got, was it, uh, Gonzo's, Piggy steps on Gonzo's toe, and then Piggy calls him a wimp, and then everybody just starts yelling at each other. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. Even, by the way, for that last number, even Trevor's singing. Yeah. Trevor's not part of the family. He wants to be. He doesn't realize that he just got let go. <laughs> he still thinks he's on the show. So um, so you were a little mixed on this one? I was a little mixed on Lola. I think I like the episode in general. But she was just present enough. But I don't... You'll see... You can tell when someone is ecstatic to be working with the Muppets. Just for Gonzo, I love this episode. I, I do love the arc with Gonzo, and I love yeah. every time we get to see Gonzo on screen, he is on fire. You know, this is, this is I think, one of his best episodes. Dave Goles, who, you know, I always remind people, never wanted to do this, did not want to perform in any way, shape, or form, and uh, uh, and he just kills it. Oh, yeah, he was amazing. It's like his tour de force, like thus far, at least. Phyllis George, Phyllis George, 15 seconds to curtain, Phyllis. Thank you, Scooter. So, Nick, I had never heard of Phyllis George. I assume you hadn't either. I, I had not, no. If I if you had to guess, what would you say that she did? Actress? Hmm. Uh, child of privilege? Uh, Phyllis Ann George was born June 25th, 1949 in Denton, Texas. She went to North Dallas, Texas State University for three years. But in 1970, after coming in fourth the year before, Phyllis won Miss Texas. Texas Christian University, TCU, offered her a scholarship, as they did to all Miss Texas winners, and she transferred there where she joined a sorority. Although I don't think she attended TCU long because the next year, Phyllis won Miss America. In August of that year, uh, George... Uh, George and Miss Iowa, Miss Nevada, Miss New Jersey, Miss Arizona, and Miss Arkansas traveled to Vietnam to participate in a 22-day USO tour for American troops. Her first TV gig came in 1974, where she briefly took over as the host of the long-running prank show Candid Camera. After that, CBS Sports offered her a job. In 75, she joined the cast of the NFL Today, co-hosting live pregame shows before NFL games. She was one of the first women to hold such a role in a, for a major American sport. She didn't get the best reviews, though, and after three years, she was replaced by another beauty queen, Jane Kennedy. Phyllis would return to the show in the 80s, becoming known for her interviews with athletes. She was called a true trailblazer for women in sports entertainment. She also covered horse racing, including the Preakness and the Belmont Stakes, and she was briefly on a TV version of People magazine in 1978. She did a Muppet show in 79, of course, and she had her own primetime talk show in 1994, but only for a year. And her biggest guest was she did manage to get then-president and always sex offender Bill Clinton on the show. In 1985, CBS chose her to serve as the anchor for the CBS Morning News, but it didn't work out. And she was kicked to the curb in favor of future First Lady of California, Maria Shriver, after a few months. Phyllis had other business interests. She had a company called Chicken by George that sold chicken fillets, but it got bought out by Hormel after two years. She also created a line of beauty products that were sold on the Home Shopping Network. She wrote or co-wrote five books, uh, three about crafts, one about dieting, and one about her life, released in 2002. She did appear in the 2000 film Meet the Parents, uh, but that was one of her very few film roles she ever had. She was married twice. Uh, first was to Godfather producer Robert Evans, a known madman. They divorced in 78. And the second marriage was to Kentucky Fried Chicken owner and governor of Kentucky, John Y. Brown Jr. She served as the first lady of Kentucky during his term of office. 
They had two children, but much like her divorce to the legendarily insane Evans, the marriage dissolved in 1998. Phyllis George died of blood cancer on May 14th, 2020 in Lexington, Kentucky. She was 70. So she's a, um, she's a host. It's kind of what she does. She hosts things. So this episode is actually kind of built around her. That's that makes sense. Yeah. The Muppet Show episode number 412. Special guest star, special guest host, Phyllis George. Produced uh, July of 1979. Debuted uh, in the UK in January and in New York in uh, November of 79. In the cold open, uh, Scooter comes in and um, uh, to gar- and <laughs> tells Phyllis that the show is going to be exciting and it's going to be suspenseful. It's going to be suspenseful. But when she asks him if it's going to be funny, he doesn't make any promises. Given what Kermit's about to say, that tracks, actually. Yeah. No, and, and it, it also it also is important to point out that uh, Scooter is wearing a tuxedo. So we have our theme when Gonzo blows his trumpet, a weird bluey, bluey, a weird furry blue arm wearing a boxing glove punches him in the face. Cookie Monster's going to knock you out. Yeah, it does look like Cookie Monster, does it? Okay, so Kermit comes out and he, he he welcomes you to the Muppet Show, but then he tells you the bad news. Or he tells you the good news. The good news is our guest star is is uh, is Phyllis George. Now for the bad news, we have a really dumb show planned for you tonight. Kermit, Kermit, Kermit you can't tell the audience that tonight's show is dumb. Don't worry about it, Bear. Yeah, we noticed years ago. <laughs> and what are we going to do? We are going to do the first annual Muppet Awards. Tonight, we are going to be doing an, a satire of the Oscars. They are going to be giving out awards on the Muppets. And Kermit wants nothing to do with it. So, were, were award shows a big deal before the 70s? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Because, like, there's a talk that Rod Serling gave where he was just, he didn't like award shows. He didn't like game shows. And he just thought that it was ridiculous to think that you could be best of something. But I, I'm wondering, just is this like a Wilkins and Wilkins things? thing for Jim where he's like this allows me to say what I actually think about the thing while dressing it up as jokes or because I'm sure the Muppet show won awards but it won several Emmys yeah um I I, I don't I don't know whether it's making a statement or not I just hmm. think it's as we'll see with Kermit I mean I, I think the statement is that no you know it's real easy to say you don't care about awards until you win one yeah and I've been in that situation <laughs> and it's absolutely true <laughs> it's absolutely true. You can scoff all you want. And then someone calls out your name and they bring you up to a podium and give you a trophy. All of a sudden you're like, this is the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> I just want to be seen. But they're going to have the award show in, in Kermit, since Kermit doesn't want to have anything to do with it. He said that Phyllis is going to be his, the guest host tonight, which I know is a dirty word in Muppet land, but it's actually, uh, it's canon. actually, it actually is canon tonight. She is the guest host backstage. Sam reminds everyone that they're losers. Which we haven't seen a lot of Sam, but which is fair, (laughs) fair. (laughs) They are. Uh, So she introduces the first nominee. It's the nominee for best song of the year. We're going to get a few of these, just like at the Oscars. They play the best song nominees throughout the episode. And uh, the first one is the chef singing a mock Swedish rendition of Yes, We Have No Bananas. We've uh this song was actually sung by um both uh, by Kermit and Chicken Liver in the 60s on um, uh, on uh, the Today Show. And Marvin Suggs, I think, auditioned with it in the Steve Martin episode. Yeah, but of course, it's the chef, so it's mostly incomprehensible. Um, and uh, it's really funny. Can we also talk about the fact that Statler speaks mock Swedish? Yeah, that's interesting. I would have assumed German. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's a distinguished gentleman. This was a funny number. It was, it was a lot of fun. So what's interesting though is, so, so we've got this nominee for best song. It has appeared on the show before, True. not in a big way, but it has appeared on the show before, just, you know, which, which makes sense. Not all of the nominees are going to make sense. Uh, so we go backstage 
all the Muppets are kind of hanging about. Sam is there in his tuxedo. He's wondering if there's an award for, uh, for, for humanitarian purposes, like if there's a humanitarian award. Kermit's bitching about how he doesn't like award shows. And then straight out of my nightmares, Beaky from the Alice Cooper episode. So I completely forgot about Beaky. Uh-huh. The only note that I put down was Big Burdenfurter. <laughs> I see that, but this is Beaky. Beaky is nominated for Best Unexplainable Creature, which makes total sense if you go back to the uh, to the episode with uh, Alice Cooper where he sings a um, where he sings a love song to Beaky, and uh, uh, then they announce that they're going to give out. Now Piggy is very much to the shock of no one. Piggy wants to win an award. Nick, what are the odds? She would really like to win an award, even if it's just the Muppets giving themselves awards. They, she would still really like to win an award. So Fozzie announces that uh, they're going to do the, the the first award is for best foreign act. This could have gone way wrong, but they they dodged a bullet. Yeah, it's a spiky subject. <laughs> so, uh, um, but uh, he and he's going to give out the Fred Award. Now, the instead of the Oscars, these awards are named the Fred Awards. Why? Because they couldn't come up with anything else is what Fozzie tells Phyllis. And the trophy is just like a, a, it's a bowling a, trophy. It's a bowling trophy from like a garage sale. And so, but this is a, a funny joke. She starts to read off the list of nominees for best foreign act. And the first one is the flying zucchini brothers. And as soon as she says that they go, ah, and they run on stage and freak out like only the zucchini brothers can. And they take the statue off stage before they get a chance to read any of the other nominees. It's basically how that works. You just sort of rush the stage. Yeah, there's, a, <laughs> there's been, so, I, I, I've been trying to figure out how to not make Will Smith jokes during this. I, I'm sorry. I set that one up. Um, no, I know. And I'm, I, I don't mean that. I mean it. I intend to, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, as soon as I saw it was an award show episode, I was like, Ooh, that's timely. Hopefully by the time this episode comes out, it won't be as relevant anymore. <laughs> Uh, people are never going to forget that. Yeah. <laughs> never. Never. Um, okay. I do hope he's okay, but <laughs> no one's ever going to forget. The next category is going to be for best sketch. And uh, the first nominee is pigs in space. And the curtain goes up and we see the pigs in space set. And um, what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to be reenacting an older sketch that they had done. And uh, they're going to do uh, their sketch called Pig Alien, which I guess is a play on Pygmalion. That was my first thought. Um, although it doesn't sound like the story is. Um, but Piggy would rather do the story, First Mate Piggy Saves the Day. This implies to me, but we've never seen either one of those sketches. This implies to me that there are episodes of the show that we don't see. I mean, what if every time they say this is going to be what happens next week, it actually happens somewhere off camera? Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, we're not seeing every episode. Uh, the best part about this is that Strange Pork's favorite episode is the episode Strange Pork Takes Up Disco. <laughs> that's the best part of this sketch. Mm-hmm. Is Strange Pork Taking Up Disco. I felt so bad for Link. He got punched a few times. <laughs> he didn't do anything wrong this time, though. He didn't have the chance. But this is this is Piggy's first uh, attempt to get a nomination, is, is Pigs of Space. It's the first thing she's nominated for. So Fozzie comes back out on the stage again and has one of the funniest moments in the episode where he comes out and he says that... Uh, Moving right along with our exciting and entertaining award show, the show a certain frog said couldn't be done... Shouldn't. I say it shouldn't be done. <laughs> oh, good stuff. And then Fozzie announces uh, the, the performance for the nomination of the second nomination for Best Song. And Phyllis sings Carbon Paper with Rolf. Um, we last heard Carbon Paper back in episode 302. It was Annie Sue's debut number, remember. It was actually not performed by Louise Gold. It was performed by Frank Oz, if you remember, uh, that, that she would wasn't quite ready to do a solo act like that and so Frank did it this had uh, and she comes out and she she changes into this red outfit she has a lot of cleavage in this episode I'll probably cut that out but she does it's I mean that's part of the package I, I would imagine yeah given that she came to prominence as Miss America and so uh, so they sing Carbon Paper which I think is a fun song she thinks it's a little weird and Rolf apologizes because he wanted something really weird <laughs> 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 which he couldn't find. And then they sing the rest of the song. Again, a song that has been on the show before, 
nominated for best song. So un- unlike the sketches, um, these are actually this this actually holds up. Scooter comes out and he's after that number. Scooter's going to announce the nominees for best performance by an inanimate object. The nominees are the singing food, which we've seen a lot, the talking alligator luggage, which I know we've seen before in a cold open at one point. And then uh, they all come up on stage, the nominees. And then the third nomination is for the Dancing Mountains. Now, that is not a character I would believe we've seen. <laughs> I don't think we're supposed to see them. It's probably not in the budget. No. And uh, they don't come on stage, but they win the award. And it's, you know, the idea is that they're Dancing Mountains. So whenever they move there, it's like an earthquake. And they they win the award and they start coming to claim their award. And everybody freaks the hell out because the, the Dancing Mountains are coming. <laughs> it sounds like they're all going to die. Probably, yeah. They're acting like they're all going to die, like a hill giant is going to come and step on the... I mean, Gonzo would live, but... <laughs> well, it's because he's unkillable. Right. He d- he's just going to discover a new kink. It's fine. And Kermit, for the first time tonight, runs out on stage for the award show and tells everybody, stop, stop, stop. We're not giving out the award. We will mail it to you. Go away, you giant dancing mountains. And uh, so Kermit saves the day on that one. And then, and then, and then this is just mean. So... This is just know- mean. I know we were going to avoid talking about the Oscars, but it's still timely. And the thing is, on general principle, I'm very against the idea of anyone ever rushing a stage to assault a comedian. I think yes, I'll, I'll be very careful about my soapbox here. That being said, I wanted to fight this bear. As soon as this bear started messing <laughs> Billy the Bear messing with Fozzie after Fozzie had that quick pivot and then just throwing the, like doing all of that stuff with the exploding cigar and the pie in the face, I was just like... No, I don't. Fozzie can probably throw hands. He's lanky, but I'm still, I don't care. And I know full well that I am not going to win a fight with a bear. I will probably die. <laughs> but on general principle, I wanted to whoop Billy the bear's ass. Get Fozzie's name out your <laughs> mouth. Oh, I hate, I hate. The thing is, it was before he even did any of that. I just had that visceral reaction. And I know, I know that I have. I've got friends that I've talked to at length about how it's not appropriate to run on stage and attack someone. Of course not. And I'm talking about a bear on a recording from like the 1970s. I wasn't even around yet, but (laughs) as soon as I saw that look in Billy the bear's eye, I was just like, we got to fight. And it's a weird, it's, I'm not one of those people that says that violence is never the answer, but realistically 95% of the time, it's not the answer. There's a better way to handle something. But this bear's a dick. And you just, it's like, I don't know how to properly articulate why I wanted to beat the bear's ass, but I knew it had something to do with him being mean to Fozzie. And just like. Well, the whole sketch is being to Fozzie because <laughs> Fozzie, Fozzie thinks he's going to win because it's 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 best performance, best comedy. It's not even that. Funniest comedy performance by a bear. There's only one bear on the show. Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> the the only note that I put down was I want to fight that bear. I won't fight him on stage. I will not do Will Smith. I'll just go Sinatra's route and beat his ass backstage. It'll be fine. But like <laughs> invite him back to the alley. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was definitely uh, uh, I'm gonna get weird looks if this makes it into the episode. Uh <laughs> oh, keeping some of it because I was definitely gonna make some Will Smith jokes. <laughs> so, so poor Fozzie doesn't get his award that it seemed no. like was made for him. Yeah. Pivot. Yeah. You saw the pivot coming and it still hurt. It's just, it just, it just really hurts. Then we get our UK spot with Louis because Louis Kazagger is interviewing the flying zucchini brothers. I'm um, sad. This was a UK spot. I frigging love this <laughs> where uh, he's interviewing the uh, zucchini brothers about their award and um, for, for best foreign act. And then we have, um, uh, and then one of the other, the nip Vaughn flippers, uh, come in and they steal the award from them. And then it becomes a big ballyhoo chaos, chaotic fight over the uh, statue um, with the Swahili stompers, which I believe are from the Harriet, the ones from the Harriet Belafonte episode. I think so. Yeah. And the Volga showmen who are a, uh, who look like Russian, who are Russian pigs. And uh, they're all fighting over the statue and Kazagar is commentating it like it's a sporting event. So this is one of the other moments in this episode, which got an audible laugh out of me, but the second that the Zucchini brother says, we was robbed. We was robbed. <laughs> we was robbed. Like, yeah. there's so much pain in it. And the thing is, they robbed it in the first place because they didn't hear the other nominees. Yes. They jumped the gun entirely. But just the, the pure indignation of just, we was robbed. We was robbed. Yeah, Biondo was very upset. <laughs> <laughs> 
We were corrupt. I also liked at the beginning. He's. They said, "Well, what do you? You know, uh, why do you think you won this award?" You see, we win because we are the best of foreign act. Yeah, hey, we the best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and because it'll make us feel good. Yeah. Hey, feel good. That's right. All right. And uh, at the end of the sketch, the lunch encounter monster shows up out of nowhere and just eats the um, eats the trophy. It makes sense, though. They're in the canteen. So the lunch encounter monster probably lives there. That's where you have lunch encounters. So Phyllis introduces Rolf playing yet another song, another nominee. We never actually get the winner of this category. We just get the nominees. <laughs> um, uh, and Rolf plays you and I and George. This is a, a way throwback. This was the UK spot in the in episode 101. It sounded familiar. And uh, it's just a nicer produced version of that original sketch of him singing this very bizarre song, You and I and George, that the punchline makes me laugh every time. When George fell into a lake and drowned himself. Where were you? Um, yeah, it's just it's a it's a throwback to that uh, that original very first episode of The Muppet Show. Link is brought out to present the Stunt of the Year Award. Um, the, uh, what's your name? Uh uh, Phyllis is, d- did not want to present this award. Um, I'm surprised it wasn't the Muppet Newsman. He needs a night off once in a while. Well, this is a very Muppet Newsman joke because Link is giving the award to the f- falling Alfonso's who whose stunt is they fall. They do a 50 foot dead drop, basically, and they recreate it right on top of Link. And as soon as he says it, of course, they just start. But Phyllis is kind of diabolical here because she knew exactly what was coming. She's like, that's why I asked him to announce it. Yeah. Yeah. Because Link is apparently expendable. So then uh, Scooter comes out for something awesome. He's uh, he's going to announce all the nominees for best guest star. This was amazing. There's John and Liza, Sly and Bob, and Eldon J, who wasn't bad. Raquel and Steven, Cheryl, Alice, Edgar B, he's Charlie's dad. As well as Candace, she was great and really earned her salary. And so did Twiggy, Ethel Kay, and Peter, Paul, and Valerie. There's Crystal, Victor, Linda, Dudley, Helen, Roy, and Judy. There's Milton, Phyllis, Cloris, James, Loretta, Spike, and Rudy. There's Elkie, Liberace, Lynn, and Harry, Avery, Cleo, Lou, Teresa, J.P., Gilda, Rich, Don, Jean, Bruce, Pearl, and Leo, too. There's Lena, Harvey, Juliet, Diane, and if I get a chance, I'll try to find a place where I can also mention Mum and Shantz, along with Roy and Dale, Petula, Andy, Phyllis, Rita, Dom, and Nance, and Sandy, Harlow, Joel, and George. And Florence, Dizzy, Julie, and Lorene, and Bob, and Peter, and Connie, Kenny, Bernadette, Marisa, Chris, and Rita, Madeline, and Senior, Wences, Lola, Charles, and Beverly. This list is getting much too long, so I'll just end it cleverly. Leslie, Leslie, Ann, and John, and Danny, he's my hero. Roger, Ruth, Jim, Vincent, Ben, and last not least, is Zero. He does it all to the tune of uh, a very model. I am the very model of a modern major general, the Gilbert and Sullivan tune. And then the winner is Phyllis George because as Statler and Waldorf point out she's there <laughs> none mm. of the others came and none of the others are coming back <laughs> so might as well give guess, best guest start at the one that's there at the moment because none of the others are, will dare come back um, but uh, yeah this is I don't know I just thought it, there's not much to say about it it's just a really great yeah. little piece of musical writing it's it's always funny to see Scooter strut his stuff because you're so used to him being kind of slimy that he's actually pretty quirky as a performer. Yeah, he's got skills. Bo introduces a Veterinarian's Hospital as the second nomination for Best Sketch. Um, this is really funny because the whole time Rolf is just practicing his acceptance speech for the award because he realizes they're up against pigs in space. <laughs> <laughs> so he knows they're going to win. It's a low bar. It's a very low bar, but he's like, oh, we're up against Pigs in Space. I'd like to thank the producers and the Academy. Um, and, uh, and, and, but Janice points out to Piggy something, you know, because Piggy's like, we have to do this. I'm, like, I want to win because Piggy really wants to win an award. And Janice has to point out to her that, like, there's only two sketches nominated in this category and you're in both of them. Someone, ha- you're going to win an award. I feel like Janice probably has the best self-preservation instinct of any of the Muppets, and that's something that's pretty understated. <laughs> she never gets karate chopped. She's all she gets close to it a couple of times, and she's just like, "Nah, man, it wasn't me." <laughs> Piggy doesn't tend to karate chop uh, in veterinarian's hospital. True. Yeah, that would be unsanitary. 
<laughs> that's going to be their biggest concern. Yeah. Um, so uh, Piggy is very happy that she can't lose. So she goes out on stage for the presentation of best comedy sketch. And, um, <laughs> and uh, the winner is nobody. The judges have decided not to give an award to either sketch. <laughs> so Piggy who could not lose loses. Mm-hmm. She then goes on a rant about the judges and asks who the judges are. Our kitchen toothers, George. Wait a minute. It's not me. I didn't decide. Why, but who did? Well, the blue ribbon panel of judges. Don't tell me judges. Who are they? What names shall we carve on the tombstones? Miss Piggy, don't you think you'd better go backstage and get ready for the next category? No. Why should I? Well, it's the big one. Performer of the year. And you're nominated. <laughs> like that, Bring me the heads of those judges. It was such a poetic way to put it. <laughs> it was just such a poetic way. I loved it. Uh, so yeah, she's not gonna. She doesn't win a Fred in this category. But uh, Phyllis reminds her that she's nominated for one more category, which is best performer. So Piggy goes backstage to get Kermit. It's like I'm nominated for best performer. Come with me. And he's like, I don't care about award shows, Piggy. He still doesn't care about award shows. He's being very hipster about it. And. She says, uh, no, I want you, I want, basically, she's like, I need you as arm candy. That's what she wants him for. She just wants him to be with her on stage. She's a pragmatic pig. So they go out and Phyllis announces the, uh, the nominees. And the first nominee, of course, is Miss Piggy for best performer of the year. And the second nominee is surprise, surprise, Kermit the Frog, who looks genuinely surprised and excited that he's nominated. And so then it becomes a very tense moment. We don't know who's, who wins, but you know who's going to win. <laughs> You know who's going to win. And in an amazing performance by Mr. Jim Henson, Kermit's name is announced as the winner. And Kermit automatically becomes the most gracious and <laughs> and grateful award recipient of all time. And the winner is Kermit the Frog. so surprised I, I never thought i'd be up here uh, accepting this uh, uh coveted fred the most excited about it he talks about how he couldn't he can't believe he's up there and what an amazing moment this is and all the people he'd like to thank so he totally becomes a hypocrite at the flip of a switch and like i said i can't blame him i've done the same thing myself but he gets real smart here like because piggy That's all is preservation a- kicks in real quick i'll show you touched what Ladies and gentlemen, in this my hour of triumph, I would especially like to thank Miss Piggy. Uh, thank you, my dear. It does. It does. He goes further than he normally does because he thank, he makes sure to thank Piggy and he calls her my dear and he gives her a kiss on the cheek. And then Piggy just goes, oh, I can't even hit him now. <laughs> Piggy totally knows what he just did. Uh-huh. Piggy totally catches it. <laughs> so he doesn't trick her, but he ca- but he paints her in a corner and she's just so upset that she can't hit him now. She knows he didn't mean it. Oh, it's so very good. But come on, Kermit's turn is amazing in this. Oh, it's great. And it's been building all episode too. So then uh, to close out the show, the Muppets and Phyllis sing No Business Like Show Business. The Irving Berlin song, of course, from Annie Get Your Gun. We've heard this before when Ethel Merman sang it everyone on stage and everyone in the crowd and Statler and Waldorf in their box, they start, they sing, there's no business like show business. That's pretty much what they do. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Having worked in show business, this song gets, um, the song is bullshit. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but I still like it. Um, but I, it, it's a, it's a show business that I wish was real. And then, uh, yeah, and we come back from the commercial break after they sung the big number, and um, Piggy is very upset that she did not win an award, and she finds out that the judges are rats, and she gets real racist against the rats. Yeah. She doesn't think the rats are worthy of judging her. We have yet on the show to develop the rats into real characters. Is that season five, or is that post-Muppet show? I think we get Rizzo in season five, but I'm not 100% sure. I mean, Steve Whitmire's on the show, so we could get Rizzo at any point. But um, yeah, the rats are still like rats in the sh- in, on the show, right? They don't really mm. have personality yet. So I guess I guess it makes sense. But uh, there's a funny moment in the end credits. The credits are rolling and they keep it on stage. There's a funny moment where Kermit tries to get Piggy to hold his award. And she's like, uh-uh. 
uh-uh. <laughs> nope. You just see him try. And he's just like, no, Piggy, you can hold it. And she's like, mm-mm. She's so upset she didn't win an award. This is an interesting, this is, I thought, interesting because um, I didn't know anything about Phyllis George either, but I actually read up on her before I watched the episode. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this episode is a high, one of their high concept episodes. It's one of those, those uh, you know, breaking the formula episodes. But it's also built around the guest star. Yeah. Because, yeah, she does sing in it. And I won't, I'm not going to praise her voice. You know, she's not Lola Falana, right? She, they brought her in and she does what she does, that what she was known for, which is presenting things, reporting things, you know, like, like, yeah, this is her job. That's her job. She's a host. Which I thought was kind of clever, a clever way to incorporate her into the show. And, and I, and I thought she did a good job. She I did. She was, I thought she was funny. It's a concept episode. She didn't need to be center stage, really. She kind of just needed to present, and it creates a situation in which the Muppets are able to be extra Muppety. Next time, do-a-diddy. Diddy-dum, diddy-do. So tune in next time for jazz legend Dizzy Gillespie. Awesome. And actress Liza Minnelli. Ooh, the Liza Minnelli episode. This is a white whale for me, because this episode used to scare me as a kid. Hmm. So we'll see how we'll see how I do this time. I'm sure I'll do better. <laughs> but uh, this episode used to get to me as a kid. So, but uh, it's 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 a murder mystery. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. But until <laughs> until then, um, my name is Chad. My name is Nick. And uh, thank you for listening. Feet of Lunatic Daring is written and produced by Chad J. Shonk and hosted by Chad J. Shonk and Nicholas Jackson. Music by Seth Podolitz. And a proud production of Antithesis Audio. I can't believe those rats were responsible for this show. Why not? They were also responsible for the bubonic plague. Oh! <laughs>